gentlemen. It's Jazz at Lincoln Center. Bandwagon. And Jazz at Lincoln Center. Made <laughs> These organizations made considerable effort to share in the general development of the country and to contribute to its growth. We all agree on that, right? This is Jazz Stories. I'm Alexa Lim. That remix of Jazz at Lincoln Center Radio's opening credits comes courtesy of the pianist Jason Moran. In that mix, we heard Count Basie's Little Darling layered with a sample of DJ Premier's version of Little Darling and the voice of our founding host, the late Ed Bradley. Moran is a man of many influences. Of course, everybody has influences, especially musicians. But Moran is able to pull inspiration from not only musical sources, but anything he encounters that interests him, including the painter Jean-Michel Basquiat, 80s hip-hop, conversations he's recorded of strangers, and his own personal history. Anything is up for grabs. In 1993, he moved from his hometown of Houston to New York City, and he studied with jazz pianists who embraced experimentation, like Jackie Bayard, Andrew Hill, and Muhal Richard Abrams. And like any great architect, Moran is able to take all of his different influences and thoughtfully build them into a sound, and also his movements while he's on stage and even his conversations about music. In 2010, Moran received a MacArthur Fellows Award, which some people call the Genius Grant. On this episode of Jazz Stories, we'll take a glimpse into the genius of Jason Moran. I discovered jazz with my parents because they always played it in the car on the radio, and uh, I hated it when I was a kid. <laughs> but you know, they also said that they exposed me to jazz when I was still in the womb, that I went to see Pharoah Sanders play like two nights before I was born. So it was January 19th, 1975, and I was born January 21st. Okay, I'm probably totally making that up, because you know, now I have to call that. I have to call my father and ask him what show it was. But let's just say, in my mystical mind, that I remember that it was Farrell Sanders, January 19th, 1975. My first person that I kind of was attracted to was Thelonious Monk for all the things that he did, quote unquote, wrong. It's like everything I thought he did was right. The, the flat fingers, you know, the, you know, the seconds and his really uh, uh, asymmetric melodies, you know, and forms and stuff. So that's what I thought was right, rather than the eight bar sections, you know, all the way through and blah, blah, blah. So, that, you know, if that was the first person I started from and not Wynton Kelly or Red Garland, then it changes a lot of your outlook on how you think music should sound. I come from, you know, I'm an 80s kid. You know, in the age of the 80s, you know, things started to shift. Sampling was here, you know. Internet came, the computer came. Rap music, basically, is what dominated my life. And even if this is real history, Thelonious Monk, a melodious thug. No mistakes were made with the notes he played. His conception was recondite. So Moran creates his own samples and mixes them into some of his songs. That little darling Ed Bradley mix we heard at the top was part of a piece he wrote in 2005 for the JALC series called As of Now. The piece, Rain, is his version of the blues. It takes inspiration from the ring shout, which was a religious devotional ritual practiced by African-American slaves. It was an expression of their gratitude for just surviving the day. 
For this piece, I wanted to have an audio element that would sound like if the people were actually dancing around in a circle, in the ring. The sound that's, that's this crunching sound is me dancing on the banks of a, of a lake in Switzerland, um, Lake Geneva. When I was dancing around in this circle, the rain was falling on the umbrella that was covering the microphone. So you were really hearing the rain hitting the trees, hitting the leaves, hitting the stones, hitting the water, hitting me when I would dance around. Apparently in the, in the documentation of the ring shot from insiders, people who performed it, and from people who observed it, they said that they would hear these these melodies that would just go on and on, like the people would just sing them repeatedly over and over and over, and sometimes it would get faster and faster and faster. In representation of, of the ring, uh, that the, the dancers would dance, and I had the trumpeter who was playing this phrase, walk around the stage, around the musicians, and he walked in this circle counterclockwise for yeah, until his solo. <laughs> I said, you can stand still for your solo. <laughs> but uh, up until that point, he, he walked around. Um, and I hope visually or, you know, psychologically that was exciting. It was exciting for us to, to have that music kind of surround us in a way. And But I was hoping for the audience that they would, you know, grasp something that, that something different was happening that they weren't necessarily used to. and But that it was still coming from a place of true meaning. trumpeter plays it for uh, at least nine minutes before the solo. So by the time he solos, I mean his lips, he's exhausted. It's truly about how far can you go. As a performance element, as I'm really trying to think about that aspect of how the jazz composer or the jazz performer performs and what is the act of really performing outside of what it is musically. What hasn't changed in concert performance or concert etiquette from the performer standpoint? You know, like there's a whole, you know, protocol, which is great, and that's why it's stood for these hundreds of years. From my standpoint, just as much as I rearrange music and I rethink what it means today, um, I'm trying to rethink my movement of why I walk on stage, when I walk on stage, how do I walk on stage, when I bow, why do I bow, do I listen for audience's applause, you know. All of that, all of these aspects become really important to me as characteristics of jazz performance. How it became rain was, my, I'm Houston, Texas, and I'm still very country a little bit. And uh, when I announced the name of the song on the first night of the performance at Lincoln Center, I said rain. But people thought I was saying ring because of my twang. And so the second night, <laughs> I think I said, 
Well, now it's called rain because people thought I was saying rain. But I don't think people understood any either way. It was like, I don't know what, the, what he just said. <laughs> So it's, it's me being from Houston. It's my family being from Louisiana and from Texas. Um, it is um, me being now in New York, almost calling myself a New Yorker, almost calling myself a New Yorker, and saying, wow, you know, I still love Texas. I still love the way that I grew up. I still love my neighborhood, Third Ward, Houston, you know. So it's, um, it's about all of that because, you know, how you use history therapeutically. And in the reality of it, I mean, that's where I am now. That's kind of where I, what I'm focusing on is is music that is representational of uh, of anything, you know, of of, of people, of experience, uh, of place, of history. So the Texas computer addict, you know, who plays piano sounds maybe like me. That was the pianist Jason Moran. You can hear more of his music at our archives at www.jalc.org jazzcast. This episode of Jazz Stories was produced by myself, along with David Gorin, Steve Rath, and Matthew Long Littleton. Jazz Stories is made possible with the support of Jazz at Lincoln Center, so consider becoming a member or dropping in on a live show if you're ever in New York City. Visit jalc.org. For Jazz Stories, I'm Alexa Lim. Thank you.